The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from Carter Subaru Studio. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Got quite a show for you today. The crypto king, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been charged with fraud, with money laundering. It appears that he was laundering money primarily for the Democrat Party. And he said that he was wanted to engage in altruism with his billions of dollars. He was going to fight global warming, but he really wanted to funnel money to the Democrat Party. And we saw that his mom in the 2020 election, in the last five weeks, she had contributed more than $100 million to a political action committee that paid for ads for Joe Biden in primarily five swing states. So we may have had an election that was bought off by a crypto empire built entirely on sand. And we're starting to see more and more as we have gotten, yesterday was the fifth dump, the fifth uh, Twitter file release, as Elon Musk has been letting everybody see what was going on inside of Twitter as it became a de facto political action committee for the Democrat Party. And they banned Donald Trump, even though one of their chief executives said that she said one of their enforcement officers for speech that would not be tolerated said, hey, Donald Trump didn't say anything that's a violation of our policy. But they banned him anyway. And they exerted great social media pressure to elevate the Democrat Party to hurt the Republican Party. And this is, and I know that most in the media are not going to cover it because most in the media don't care how the Democrats win as long as they win. And if they win by shady methods, we just won't cover the shady methods. But we see now what Twitter was doing. We see what this crypto empire, Sam Bankman-Fried, was doing. Although, I will say, you know, he claims, oh, no, I gave money to Republicans, too. But it looks like he wanted to keep that as hush-hush as possible because he was afraid the media would abandon him if they saw that he was also giving money to Republicans. What he wanted to do was he wanted to control regulation for an industry that's still in some real embryonic stages. And he wanted to just buy influence. But he did it very publicly with the Democrat Party. He was doing it behind the scenes in case the Republicans were to prevail. But this is something that is, (laughs) you know, remember how everybody was asking Was everything on the up and up in 2020? Well, it looks like there were dramatically illegal activities by both Twitter and FTX, this crypto company. So no, everything was not on the up and up. There was unbelievable corporate sleaze that undoubtedly influenced an election because campaign commercials have an effect. And when you have Sam Bankman-Fried's mom buying $100 million of campaign ads in the five weeks right before Election Day in swing states, 
No, not everything's on the up and up. Her son is probably going to go to prison for the rest of his life at age 30. A son who is a genius in many ways, but he's also just an incredible fraudster criminal. I bring all this up at the very beginning because I'm fascinated by all of this. And this is an area I want to learn much more about. So I'm going to talk with an industry expert about this coming up at 1230, right after our bottom of the hour news. Uh, a local guy who has built a crypto uh, company focusing on Bitcoin. He's down in Southern California now. But I want to learn a lot more about what's going on here. So I hope that you want to be on that journey with me as I try to learn what's happening with uh, the biggest story in America today. So we'll talk with that guy coming up right after the 1230 news here on the Dory Monson Show. With that as mere prelude, let's get right to the big lead. The big lead. Top story. The news was expected. It is still tremendously sad. Former Washington State University coach Mike Leach, after suffering a massive heart attack over the weekend, as we were on the air yesterday, we were told that he was in critical and grave condition. And indeed, last night, Mike Leach died at the age of 61. That's my age. And that is just so incredibly sad because I feel like a young man. I'm sure Mike Leach did as well. He was just one of the most innovative minds in all of college football. But I'm leading the show with this because he was just one of the most colorful people that we had ever talked to. One of the most colorful people in the world of of sports or entertainment and everything else. And so... He's going to get a lot of attention in the sports world. He's not going to get as much in the mainstream, in part because he was a conservative guy. And so he wasn't quite as beloved in the mainstream. Although he was beloved because he was, he's a lovable guy, Mike Leach. But I wanted to, I played a couple of clips yesterday. I wanted to just share with you uh, a little bit of what made him such a unique figure. And and this is all aside from the football. He was a brilliant football mind, but I'm not doing a sports show. And he was just a flat-out entertaining guy. So we just wanted to share a little of Mike Leach with you on uh, this day after his passing. For example, when he was at Washington State, he left a few years ago, took a job at Mississippi State, which is where he was coaching. In fact, his team's going to a bowl game this year. But when he was at Washington State, Somebody asked him how the mascot of the Cougs would stand up to the other 12, Pac-12 mascots. Now, most coaches, if you ask them a question like this, they would blow you off. They wouldn't even try to give you an answer. But Mike Leach loved questions like that. First of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he? does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin, definitely formidable. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. 
It's unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, the husky, no chance. The beaver, well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, the ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that youth's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. As far as a beast alone, uh, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a a buffalo's utterly outstanding. Did I leave any of them out? The Kugel find a way. Uh, clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and and uh, <clears throat> and attack when you get your uh, your chances or your openings. Oh man, oh, he just was a funny, funny man. Uh, after the Apple Cup one year, but you can live your little meager life in your little hole and write nasty things. And if that makes you feel even, you go right ahead. <laughs> He called a member of the media a sanctimonious, sanctimonious little troll. Uh, then he, he also would give opinions on things like kitty cats. Somebody said that in passing, you know, one of the, I hate cats, you know, somebody really hates cats. And, I, and I've never figured that one out. Uh, I've never figured, I mean, and a, a credit to cats, the ability to generate that much animosity, you know. And I'm not sure how close of a relationship some of these people are planning to have with a cat or why they would value the opinion of a cat. <laughs> you just got stuff from him that you never got anywhere else. Mud. How about mud? You know, first of all, like something about lightning strikes mud and then it sparks a beetle or, they, you know, and all that other business, you know. I don't happen to believe that. I, I, I take more the the... The biblical approach on this whole thing, which uh, <clears throat> to me, why only this planet? Why only us? I mean, I mean, if it can happen here, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's always been naive. You know, um, on Earth, they say, "Oh, well, we're the only ones." We're, I mean, really, why? Have you been to the other planets? Have you checked out the other planets? I mean, to me, it makes it makes more sense that if it happened here, it happened somewhere else than it does. That it only happened here. You know what I mean? See, he would talk about he'd talk about creation. He would talk about anything. Aliens, I suspect there is, and I don't know that they're um, they're little green men, and I don't know that they're specifically um, in our galaxy. <laughs> specifically, uh, one year he was asked why he picked a certain player on the Cougars to be his team captain. And I thought this was a very well-thought-out reason for picking a captain. So then I thought, well, you know, all the guy really does is a coin toss. And then I decided, you know, one of the most screwed-up things about this country is the fact that in order to do anything, in order to cross the street, we always have to have a committee you know, and I said, you know, uh, and so I figured, well, screw the committee. We really only need one guy. And and, and, and now he's got to be smart enough to call either heads or tails. That's it. And um, uh, 
So then I thought about, well, should I get the biggest guy on the team or the littlest guy on the team? And then I thought, well, <clears throat> Jamal Morrow was on The Price is Right and was fairly lucky and went to the final round and almost won the sucker. And it was closest to the price, but he's over by he's over by like $3. The other person's under by like $60, but since he's over, he loses. And, and um and so I figure, well, Jamal Morrow's a lucky guy. Uh, <clears throat> plus, he's got pretty good energy to him and stuff like that. So why not Jamal Morrow? And so then Jamal Morrow goes out and did have an amazing knack for winning the toss. And then, I mean, wins it almost all the time. I mean, literally. Win, I mean, I'm serious about this. I don't know what his record is, but it's something incredible. And then... Um, <clears throat> But I don't even really care about that because one way or the other, you get the ball one half or the other, except one time when I played Nebraska. Oh, I'll tell you a story on that in a second. So hold on to your hat. And then, um, um, so, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, so um goes out there and he had a funny uh, tendency to win. Then I'm thinking... I don't want to sit here and think of and sort out a new guy to do it. So Jamal Morrow has gone out there for the coin toss for about two and a half years and quite honestly done um, a tremendous job in my opinion. Then we got on a roll, and so then I liked it even better. So you used the guy's appearance on The Price is Right as a reason to pick him as captains because he'd be good at heads or tails. So anyway, that's just a few of our favorites from Mike Leach, who passed away at the age of 61. On a very serious note uh, regarding this story, uh, people have asked me, because there has seemingly been, not seemingly, there has proven been a big increase in heart attacks in the United States over the last couple of years. And... Many are wondering if that is connected to the increase in COVID vaccinations. Mike Leach at age 61, uh, he, he was certainly a little bit overweight. But Mississippi, the state of Mississippi required, because a lot of people ask me this, so I'll just tell you what I found out about it. The state of Mississippi required vaccination for all Mississippi University coaches. And, you know, the... Washington State coach that replaced Mike Leach, Rolovich. He was fired last year because he refused to get the vaccine. Uh, Mike Leach was asked if he was vaccinated. He refused to respond, he said, out of principle. He said that it had become too reactionary a question. So presumably he was vaccinated because it was a requirement for Mississippi coaches. But Mike Leach did say on the record, he said that he would not comment on the vaccine mandate. And his quote was, the whole COVID vaccine thing bounces all over the place. That would be like commenting on each hit in a tennis match. So he would never say if he was vaccinated, but it was a state requirement for college coaches, university coaches in Mississippi. So presumably he he was. I told uh, you a couple of weeks ago that there's 
stories in the New York Times about how heart attacks have increased dramatically in the United States in the last couple of years. You did uh, see so, how he had wa- fluid on the lungs, fluid on his heart. He had pneumonia. He had, he had pneumonia all he, season. So there was yep. a he had a lot of health problems. It seems like he was not in good shape. He, correct. Yeah, and he he'd been coughing all season. By the way. Great season for his team. They were eight and four. They're playing Illinois in a bowl game. Uh, it's just devastating for those kids down there. But no, he he had been sick with upper respiratory problems, pneumonias. But he uh, said it was just a week or two ago because he had been coughing all season, and reporters were asking if he was okay. So uh, I have no idea if this was related to anything else. But it's- that's what we learned. And a lot of people had asked me that question since. Uh, it's his just crazy because you night. say that he's the same age as you, but I mean, he looked more like my grandpa who died at I think eighty six. So he, I, he, I feel like his health was maybe aged more than him. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, but I mean, I it's just, a tough life being a football uh, coach, man. It is. It is. But yeah, when you hear about people your age passing. So unexpectedly, it's it's Gary. a wake-up call. But All right, that's it. Mike Leach, uh, age 61, passing, just one of the most unique people that uh, we've ever talked to. And I played a clip yesterday. He, uh, he, he actually won our Awesome Audio of the Year a few years ago because he was talking about wedding advice. And then after he talked about that to a press conference, then he came on our show when my oldest daughter was getting married and gave me advice, told me to just give money to elope because it would save me so many headaches as a father of a bride. So he's a good man, very good man, Mike Leach, 61 years old. All right, there you have it. That is our big lead for today. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Now we will move on to what is the biggest story in America. Sam Bankman-Fried arrested in the Bahamas, going to be extradited to the United States. And uh, it's the biggest corporate fraud in world history. So what does this mean to you if you have invested in any cryptocurrency? And also, how did this happen? Well, because he was a very public supporter of the Democrat Party, so he got away with a lot more in the media than somebody else would. Uh, I'm going to talk to an expert in the industry next as we get rolling here on the Dory Monson Show. Well, this morning, Sam Bankman-Fried, the 30-year-old who looks to be the mastermind of maybe the greatest corporate scam in world history, FTX, once said to be worth $32 billion, and now it's been reduced to rubble. One of the people who has been a watchdog of this crypto industry for a long, long time, uh, and he has a financial services firm that's focused on Bitcoin. His name is Corey Clipston, a native of the Seattle area. Now he's the CEO of Swan.com down in Southern California. He joins us here on the Dory Monson Show. Corey, it's great to talk with you this afternoon. It's really great to talk to you as well, Dory. Thank you so much for having me on. You've been uh, a mutual friend of ours, described you as somebody who's just been a watchdog of your industry, crypto. I know you're focused on Bitcoin, but uh, tell me when you first started to see some red flags around Sam Bankman Frank or Freed. 
Yeah, well, Sam Bankman Fried, or as we've come to call him over the last six months or so, Scam Bankster Fraud. Uh, the uh, founder and CEO, I knew you'd like that one, um, is the founder and CEO originally of a, a market maker. So basically a prop trading desk, a proprietary trading desk called Alameda Research. And then they started the exchange a couple of years later. And this really came into the public awareness after the collapse of a few other firms in the spring of this year. And in particular, you saw BlockFi, Voyager, and Celsius all get blown up, essentially by the uh, the contagion following the collapse of Terra and Luna and UST, which were sort of a family of companies and cryptocurrencies that were actually running in a real Ponzi scheme. And so they blew up in May. And then a bunch of these centralized companies that were taking customer deposits and essentially acting as as banks and sort of using the language of savings, uh, of course, with no FDIC insurance, uh, they went under as well in in June. And so FTX stepped in, ostensibly the PR, the PR machine with Sam Bankman Freed uh, tried to play it off as he was the JP Morgan of crypto. He was going to backstop this industry. He was going to try to get everybody's money back. And it didn't smell right. And that's when I started poking around. So where's the breakdown in a system where a, a, essentially a con artist, it appears, can, can start to engineer something like like i said they said it was worth 32 billion dollars at the at the peak so there must be just some massive breakdowns in the regulatory blockchain to uh to allow somebody to pull off something like this yeah so interestingly what he's been taken down for so far is normal everyday fraud and embezzlement so it has nothing to do really with with this new world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it's it's just plain old financial fraud um, and stealing people's money that wasn't yours. So this $32 billion valuation for the company was based on their last funding round. Uh, you know how it works in venture capital. They set a valuation and they say, hey, you know, I think the company's worth $31 billion. We're going to give you a billion dollars for 3% of the company. And now your company's worth $32 billion. So that's how that happened. Uh, probably the key investor to make that round go down at a valuation that high was the venerable Silicon Valley firm Sequoia, which we've all heard of over the years as being behind, you know, WhatsApp and a bunch of other huge companies over the years. But uh, what happened there is Sam Bankman-Fried invested $200 million in Sequoia funds and they essentially just round tripped it and priced the round, meaning that they set the terms for this fundraising round for FTX and invested $210 million in it and lent their name to the marketing of the round to other investors. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, the investigators peel back the onion on that one a little bit and take a look at how that round was constructed and marketed. But it also he was aided and abetted by a financial media that just seemed enthralled with him. I mean, here's a kid who appears to be clearly on the spectrum. Uh, he obviously talked a great game, but then when he appears on the cover of Fortune and Forbes and all of these publications, that gives him the imprimatur of 
of being legitimate. And so I, I'm still trying to figure out how the financial media uh, endorsed this kid instead of looking at him with a skeptical eye. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think there's any excuse for what happened starting in June because really just a cursory glance at his actions, leaving aside his words, made it extremely obvious that something was wrong because it doesn't make any sense to pick up these assets that are worth less than zero unless picking them up saves you money somehow. And so that's what I sniffed out and started talking about in the media in June, July, August, was that it seemed very clear based on his actions of trying to backstop these firms that he must have a lot of exposure to them. And it turns out that's exactly what it was. He had taken out large loans from these platforms and was trying to buy them so that they would not go into receivership because a bankruptcy trustee would call his loans and expose the fact that he didn't have the money. In the financial press, the CNBCs of the world didn't do any poking. No, but I mean, this is what seems to uh, enthrall everybody about your industry, about crypto. Uh, I, I remember my one of my daughters, my middle daughter, about three, four years ago, when I had never heard of Bitcoin, she was asking me about it. It was about a thousand bucks a coin. And, and I said, no, honey, don't ever jump in this early on something like that. And then when it went up to 50,000, she said, uh, Dad, is this the thing you told me not to invest in here? Everybody wants to be part of you know the hot new thing and the way to, to make a bunch of dough. How do we balance that? You know, all of my listeners right now, me, how do we balance wanting to get in on on something that's the hot new thing without getting caught caught up by the Sam Bankman Freeds of the world? Yeah, I think the important thing to just remember is is like always with anything, you should buy what you know or buy buy assets that you're willing to learn about because otherwise you're only gonna get attracted to shiny objects, meaning you're gonna buy when they're high. And you're going to get scared because you don't actually understand why you own it. If there's a, pra- a crash of some sort or bad news, then you're going to sell low. You don't want to be in a position where you're sort of set up to buy high and sell low. And that's why I always say, you know, education is the most important thing. Now, I went through this whole process starting in 2017, and I spent a year looking into the whole crypto space, including Bitcoin, and came out the other end after a solid year of 50 hours a week, recognizing that only Bitcoin actually matters in this space and that everything else is at best an experiment and 99 plus percent of it is actually just outright scams. Explain that to me because I do have, I, I do have a little bit of Bitcoin. Uh, you know, when everybody says it's, you know, it, it, it's not backed by any what is traditionally thought is legitimate currency, but neither is the U.S. dollar. So, but, but what makes Bitcoin safer than all the other cryptos out there? Yeah, so it's the only one that's actually truly decentralized and has an immutable monetary policy. Every single one of the other 22,000 wannabes uh, can be altered and changed by a small group of people that's in control of it. Only Bitcoin actually has no ownership and no one that can control it. And what it really was, it's, it's, there was a problem that was identified in computer science, which is basically you couldn't have digital scarcity. Nobody could figure out how to send an email and, and know for sure that the recipient had the only copy of the email. 
Okay. It was impossible to, you have a copy if you're the sender and there's somebody in the middle that can take a copy of it. And so basically what was solved in 2008 with the publishing of the Bitcoin white paper was that double spend problem where you can send value over the internet and know for sure mathematically proven that only the recipient has the value. As soon as that was solved, we've discovered as a human race the best form of money that we've ever had by far. It's oh, a so you're still a, absolutely. Yeah, I, I got a couple buddies who have two computers running so they can mine Bitcoin as a hobby. They've tried to. <laughs> yeah. They've tried to explain this to me, Corey. I still, with with really smart friends who actually do this, I have no clue what's going on with any of this stuff. It's it's all beyond. I'm sure it's within my comprehension, but I just haven't gotten there yet. It is. It's just the problem is it's the marketing of all of the, the crypto industry, which is why we, we always say Bitcoin, not crypto. And, you know, I got that in the in the New York Times feature a few months ago talking about the difference between Bitcoin and, and this whole scam crypto industry. And their their intention is to make a lot of noise and obfuscate what Bitcoin actually is so that they can do the affinity marketing thing. And say like, you know, come buy this thing instead. So that's that's why there's so much noise and why it's so confusing. It's right. because when you go to Coinbase.com, you know, the number fourteen thing on the web page is buy Bitcoin. They've already tried to get you to do all these other things that are scams. Okay, got it. Corey, hold on for just a moment. I'm talking with Corey Clipston. He is the CEO of swan.com a financial services firm that focuses on crypto and in particular bitcoin uh bankman freed sam bankman freed has been charged he's going to be extradited to the u.s and i want to get back to what this means and is he ever going to see freedom again we'll continue our conversation with clipston in just a moment as the dory monson show rolls on All right, we are back. I'm talking with Corey Clipston, CEO of Swan.com. He's a native of the Seattle area, but his company's down in Southern California now. But I'm fascinated by this whole cryptocurrency industry. Uh, if you haven't heard the big news today, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has been charged. He's going to be extradited to the United States. Uh, he was uh, arrested last night in the Bahamas just a day before he was supposed to come to testify before Congress. All right, so Corey, one reason the media was so enthralled with him was because he would talk about effective altruism. He said he was going to go to global warming. Uh, he obviously was funneling a lot of money to the Democrat Party, to both parties, but primarily to the Democratic Party, which the media loves. Uh, and are those reasons why he was able to scam so much because they actually bought his line that he was doing this for some grand purpose and not just to enrich himself? Absolutely. He, he 100% scammed the media and, you know, they weren't willing to go a click deeper and actually look up what effective altruism actually is. In in no part of that ethos is it acceptable to scam people to make the money. It's basically just an excuse for, you know, socialist leaning people to act capitalists for a while, but it doesn't mean that you can actually make that money by defrauding people. That doesn't sound very altruistic to me, if, if that's what it's no, really it's not, all about. It's not at all. And 
and he admitted openly in in um, a direct message conversation with a reporter from Vox, which he had funded on the down low. Uh, he thought that he was having a private conversation, but this reporter didn't see it that way and published everything. And he straight up admitted that he was lying the whole time about all of these things that he was saying and that he was just playing to the audience and trying to buy a little air cover. This looked to me at first to be a gigantic money laundering scam for the Democratic Party, which I'm sure he was trying to buy off, not not only for altruistic purposes, as he put it, but for regulatory. I think he wanted some control. Uh, regulatory of the industry, and he thought that by buying a party, he could do so. Do you think that there was an element of political money laundering going on here? Well, so he did He did claim that he gave about as much to Republicans, but he didn't do that publicly because it would be unpopular, uh, mm-hmm. given the milieu from which he comes with the Stanford Law Professor parents and everything. So yeah. supposedly he gave about an equal amount to Republicans, but he did it through PACs under Citizen United rules. Um, either way, your conclusion that he was trying to buy influence is 100% correct. The number one thing that all of these crypto scam companies like Coinbase, Andreessen Horowitz, FTX, Consensus, Galaxy, the number one thing they've been trying to push for the last few years is to wrest control or wrest oversight of of the crypto industry away from the SEC, which rightfully sees them as securities and as being regulated under existing laws, and try to put it over with the CFTC, which is the Commodities and Futures Trading okay. Commission, right? And so they're trying to get these things regulated as commodities, which they are clearly not, since they're not found in the ground. It's not grown by by the efforts of, you know, right. earth and sun and water. Um, and so they've been trying to pull that off and trying to essentially dangle a bunch of cash in front of the CFTC and saying that we can make you guys rich and powerful as long as you come and regulate us with a light hand. And unfortunately for the crypto industry, they bet on a horse in Sam Bankman-Fried and put him out front and center and allowed him to go do all the congressional hearings and take all the press, and they bet yeah. on the wrong horse. And all I right. think they're now, screwed at this point. Now we're going to send that horse to the glue factory. We just have a couple of seconds yep. left here. If, if he gets punished with what he deserves, how long do you think this guy should go away? What was made off? 150? Sounds about right. <laughs> 150 years. Sounds about right. I like it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people got hurt real bad with this. Corey, you are a wealth of information and knowledge. It's great talk with you. I enjoy this, and uh, and I, I hope you'll come back on with me sometime. Yeah, it sounds great. Thank you so much. Really uh, fun spending some time with uh, one of my hometown heroes. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. It's very nice. Corey Clipston, a Richmond Beach native. Now he's the CEO of Swan.com, a financial services firm that focuses on Bitcoin. Love to hear your thoughts on all this. You can text me at 888 cairo Triple eight ninety seven three five four seven six. Lots more straight ahead here on the Dory Monson Show.